everyone, welcome to The Hideaway. I am your host, Hoven with an H, and today we will be discussing the end of a series that rather took the anime sphere by storm. Uh, Hajime Izayama's manga, Attack on Titan, which concluded as of the time of the recording just earlier this month. And with me to discuss the series as a whole, what we thought about the ending, is none other than Jacob Parker Dalton. How are you doing, Jacob? Hi, yes, I'm doing okay as as well as you can be, <laughs> being stuck inside forever. Uh, yeah. It's, it's nice and warm now. Yeah, no, I, I can't say how, how lucky I am that I've actually gotten a relatively safe job during all of this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, be, being cooped up is is not fun. No, definitely not. Yeah, it, it's almost like uh, like being the point of view characters of this manga at the very start. Oh, wow, that's a great segue. <laughs> Damn. I feel like Eren looking at the door for the start of the series, right? <laughs> Full spoilers for Attack on Titan going forward. I think it goes without saying. I don't know why you clicked on a Attack on Titan ending discussion podcast if, if that wasn't clear. And even if you don't read the series, you probably know what the ending is because there were leaks and <laughs> untagged spoilers everywhere. I, yeah. I don't know. It just must be the people I followed. I didn't run into any spoilers. Well, that's interesting, yeah. Maybe I just got lucky. I didn't go on social media pretty much, like, Thursday, Friday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. As soon as the Korean scans came out, I was like, right, no Twitter for me, no 4chan for me. It just... Uh, I remember I adamantly avoided Twitter when Godzilla vs. Kong came out in between the time that it, it came out in theatres uh -huh. overseas and when it came out in a format I could watch it in. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, I want to know who wins. I want to know who wins when I watch the movie. And then after I watched the movie, no one on my Twitter talked about who won. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, I haven't seen anyone talk about it. I haven't even seen you tweet about it. And you're like the biggest kaiju guy I know. I, I have posted some tweets about it. I, I really ah, okay. enjoyed the movie. But um, nice. yeah. Um... I, I also haven't been spoiled on Evangelion yet. Mm. Um, so... I, I feel like we've got both got a pretty good record. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God. I, I started showing my uh, my younger brother the first few episodes of the Ava, the original oh, TV wow. series. Uh, and yeah, it's got me interested to just rewatch the whole thing because I haven't watched it since I was like 16. I recently rewatched it. Still very good. You forget as well how much of a good mecha show it is. Mm. Like the ending, you know, good. We're talking about the Attack on Titan ending, but yeah. sometimes ending have such a... A powerful effect you know it's the most important mm. part of the, the story really and sometimes it can drown out what happened leading up to it and yeah. sometimes it can be good to revisit that mm. bit I'm, I'm very interested too because as a 16 year old i did not get end of ava at all that's interesting yeah i, I watched it when i was like 13 maybe and, and, it, and it totally resonated with you yeah oh yeah for sure for sure okay. i mean anyone who's like a depressed person who doesn't know how to love themselves i'm sure i have a feeling it will resonate with me more now than it did then <laughs> anyway to, yeah. to get on to the main topic so i guess one thing i am curious about is we've known each other since uni and mm -hmm. we had very different opinions on the series then and i'm yeah. just interested how did your opinion on attack on titan shift so much because I recall you not being a fan of it at all at one point. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting. I think like a lot of serialized manga, you know, it goes on for so long and it comes in and out of different phases of your life, right? Mm. And 
when it first got popular, I was one of those, you know, 13, 14 year olds who really loved it, got into like the role playing, the fan fiction, the cosplay, everything. Mm -hmm. And then as I became a bit older, it sort of became less cool to me. So I fell off it. But then I sort of rediscovered it during the Marley arc, probably like two years ago, maybe or a little bit more, maybe. I think I remember you telling me about the Marley arc and I was like, right, I need to read it now. And then I think because of the way that the plot changed, I really enjoyed it again. And yeah, I think it's just a case of like any serialized manga, you know, it comes in and out. How about, how about you? I will say I, I don't think Attack on Titan benefits from being <laughs> read week to week at all. SMH, Hoven. It's month to month, not week to week. Hello listeners, Android Hindsight here to correct Hoven's mistakes from the future. I, I no, mean, definitely not. Yeah, to, definitely. To be honest, in pretty much all cases, keeping up with manga as it comes out is the bad habit we all can't break. <laughs> yeah, def- I'm, uh, I recently reread the Shibu Incident from Jujutsu Kaisen, yes. and I enjoyed it so much more <laughs> just reading it in one sitting, because I, I remembered where everyone was. <laughs> I, I can imagine. I, yeah. there, are, there are so many little details I didn't pick up on, because uh, yeah. I, I just last minute rushed through a reread of this final arc. Oh, okay, okay. After reading the final chapter, uh, uh-huh. at least from where the anime left off. Uh, there are so many bits of foreshadowing I didn't realise were there. Like, I thought Eren essentially planning for them to kill him was something yeah. the last chapter introduced out of nowhere. Whereas, in fact, it was sort of set up like, oh yeah, they're already questioning, why is he still letting us take our Titan forms? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, Interesting. I guess for me, I got into it when it blew up in 2013. It was probably the first big seasonal anime I kept up with week to week. Yeah, me and Sword Art Online, both of those shows at the same time. Because yeah. I, I remember Sword Art Online, it was one of the first ones that was a new show I was aware of being new during my Mm. tenure as an anime fan, but I didn't watch the first season as it came out. I watched it after the fact. Yeah, okay. Whereas Attack on Titan, I actually watched as it came out. Well, the funny thing about me and Attack on Titan when I first got into it, like, I really enjoyed the anime up until the end of the Trost arc and Eren when he's, like, judged Mm. by the military tribunal or whatever. For some reason, I just dropped the anime and started reading the manga. Okay. And then I never watched the anime until... In preparation for the final season, I rewatched all the anime, and holy, <laughs> holy shit, the anime is so good. <laughs> yes, I, I definitely think. Although there are there are things about Izayama's art that are very unique and interesting, it's a series that I always get more out of in anime form. The story is a breakneck story, but then it's told in like a segmented format in the manga, and I think it always works well, either read in one bit or or adapted. Mm. I yeah. think the one arc that really was improved the most was probably the uprising one yes because i remember finding that very meandering but then again that could also be just a result of the month-to-month yeah process from what i understand the scriptwriter like moved bits apart around Mm. as well yeah Um, and that's that he's like one of the only staff members who's on the final season like from wit because he's isayama's like this is the guy who knows how to make my work better. <laughs> yes. I think that streamlining runs throughout, yeah, both final season and that arc in particular. I remember it being such a lengthy arc in the manga and it's cut down to like nine episodes in the anime, yeah. but it's still mm. remarkably coherent. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing how MAPPA cut down this last arc. I don't, I'm not sure whether it's because I did read it week to week. And to be honest, I think for a lot of people, 
this arc may have been the first time they're read week to week mm. because there's so much like you want to know what happens immediately. Like, is Eren going to be redeemed? Is he not going to be? I think f maybe for the first time, majority of the Attack on Titan fan base will be able to realize how much better it is told in, in one go. Yes. I'm interested to see how they compress it and, and streamline it mm. in that sense. Because I yeah. definitely think the final season, part one, covers a larger chunk of the manga than this next one will but it's still a very yeah. dense and i also think part of the streamlining process with part one was to make sure everything between the action scenes was the bare minimum to convey how the story was unfolding and how the characters were coming to the revelations they were while getting to the action parts as quickly as possible yeah they compressed a lot of reiner's character development in particular they adapted like four chapters in episode four, I think, or five. Which in monthly chapter terms, especially with Titan, which is a pretty consistent 40 plus page per chapter, is a lot. Yeah, definitely. Whereas I think the second part, this last stretch, is much more action-packed, so they'll probably... They won't feel self-conscious about dwelling on it as much. There's so many good moments I'm looking forward to seeing animated, like the part where Gabby shoots Eren's head and it comes out and the spine <laughs> yes. follows it. That's going to be so good in animation. <laughs> uh... <laughs> and everyone's going to hate Gabby even more, I guess. <laughs> I think that's one thing that I find odd is people really hate Gabby. I, I feel like they're slightly missing the point. <laughs> Yeah, uh, she is it, literally Eren yeah. at the start of the series. <laughs> yeah, she, she's Eren Jaeger, basically, and it is baffling to me that people unconditionally hate her, but then root for Eren. I think because a lot of people who connect with this manga, they enjoy the characters as like, yeah, we stand them, we, we care about them so much. The cast of Attack on Titan haven't really been that for me in a while. I think it was Best Guy Ever and Trixie, they had this show called Cantent, where they talked about... Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. Uh, for some context, Best Guy Ever and Trixie are YouTubers known for discussing their opinions on a variety of topics including anime. And I, th I think at one point one of them said, these characters are just fleshed out enough that I'm interested to see them, but I wouldn't watch like a slice of life anime about them. Uh, I don't get quite that level of emotional attachment, which I suppose... In the case of this story, is quite helpful because they all become... Terrible people. Yeah, they all become pretty <laughs> terrible people. But I think with a lot of other viewers, that doesn't register for them as much. So they're still very sympathetic towards them, which I, I guess you could argue is a problem. I mean, yeah, I suppose it's like having a mate who like falls down a rabbit mm. hole or like really falls off the deep end. You're oh. like, I'm rooting for you, dude. I, I want the best for you, but I really disagree fundamentally with the choices that you made. I, I, I have been there. <laughs> no, me too. Uh, <laughs> I was going to skirt around it a little because I think one of the most controversial aspects of this series is what kind of an ideology it's putting forward. There are a lot of people who think it is very pro-fascistic. Yeah. I know Wensleydale had some mm -hmm. quite strong opinions on the show's ideology, which they want to hash out in their own video because mm -hmm. they just feel a bit more comfortable doing it like that. Do check that out when it comes mm -hmm. out, uh, Wensleydale Cheddar on, on their channel. They have some very interesting insights. I think on my part, I constantly don't know how to feel about yeah. the ideology. I think for me, sort of like, there's a lot of surface level elements, you know, the military imagery and the names of the characters that come from Japan's imperial past. And then mm. a weird parroting of anti-Semitic stereotypes and, mm. and myths for time powers. For me, it doesn't come across as malicious. It comes across as clumsy. Yeah. I don't think that series could have been written anywhere but Japan, I think. Mm. Because the, the education around the Holocaust and things like that is, is very flawed. 
Hmm. I think if it was a Western series, I don't think it would have been like that, to be honest. That's yeah. my opinion. Okay. I think the series heavily misuses allegory. Yeah. In a very honest way. It's a clumsy allegory, but I think if you actually go to the heart of the series, I don't think it is a fascistic series. I don't think it glorifies war in any sense. People who say that Attack on Titan glorifies, you know, the military and empire building. I don't really understand what series they're reading because it clearly isn't about that. It's about the horrors of war. It's like saying Char is really cool and the Xeno are really cool in Gundam and therefore it promotes fascism or the empire building. I think where I am kind of hesitant about it is that I feel like the series frames Eren's actions as tragic and monstrous but also an inevitability yes it's a world that is so bleak and so driven by conflict that i think what he's done isn't portrayed as preventable yes which yeah i feel like could have very troubling implications this is something mm. i want to tread very carefully on because i think a lot of people yeah. have more <laughs> insightful intelligent opinions on this than i do <laughs> but i think this speaks to how good maybe is a simplistic word to use but how multi-layered attack on titan is that it, it provokes this conversation and i think mm. a lot of other series you know, we brought sort of online, mm -hmm. you know, that came out, you got Breeds of Promise at the same time, and it doesn't provide that level of discussion. So it, it's a testament to Isayama's writing, whether or not that's a good thing, mm. in a good way or not. I think that's kind of it. It has had some massive stumbles, it has had some ill-judged yeah. decisions. It's never been uninteresting. Mm. There's always a lot to dig into with what is this series Definitely. trying to say. Definitely. Um, to go more to the ending proper, I, I was very high on the second last chapter and very mixed on the last one would you say you're in a similar position i think it's not a bad ending but it's easily the most predictable right. and i think it could have been made a lot more interesting with some more interesting narrative choices okay that's my All overall right. view i think for me it was a the last chapter because it's such a weighty fleshed out climax overall the last chapter felt surprisingly rushed through with all of the beats and i felt like the way it dwelt on the characters crying over Eren's sacrifice slightly leaned in the direction of trying to paint him as a heroic figure up until mm -hmm. that point it felt like the narrative was very ambiguous it kind of had a level of distance from yeah whether Eren was right or not I think to a certain extent you can't blame those characters for doing that mm. because he is their childhood friend. He is their, you know, you know their best mate, mm. basically. You know, of course Mikasa and Armin are going to cry over yeah. him. A, a yeah. lot of the internal conflict of characters in the series comes from that contradiction of we are childhood friends and also all of this stuff. Like, that's Reiner's entire deal. Yeah, that, that whole split personality, you know, he can't deal with it, so... He has to psychologically yeah. segment, you know, himself. Mm. I think my main problem with the ending is the first scene, basically, with Armin and Eren. I don't think it was necessary. I think it would have been a lot more interesting if that scene didn't exist. Mm. And instead, Isayama just put hints here and there about Eren's true intentions. It would have been cooler, yeah. Ar Armin could just mention that he had a conversation with Eren. Do you think the conversation Eren had with him, do you think that's Eren mm. trying to justify that to himself or that is genuinely why he was doing it? Or is it a bit of both? Did he genuinely want this to be the outcome and also had a burning hatred for the people he was crushing? Hoven, please silence that dog. You know full well androids and canines do not get along.
Why must you test me like this? I think Aaron Yeager is not a person who sees in complexity. He's a very binary person, mm. right? When when he says, I'm going to kill all the Titans, mm. he means yeah. it. When he says, you know, I'm going to kill everyone over the ocean, he means it. Yeah. I think he is a person who is burdened by trauma, by PTSD. He's also a person who's been fed this ideology of scouting regiments, you know, keep going, keep going, you know, fight, fight, you know, dedicate your heart. I think in his mind, it probably was the only solution. Whether or not that was actually the ideal one, who knows. But for Aaron Yeager, I think it was the only solution. And that's the, maybe the tragic thing. I think the chapter that very much struck me on this regard on a reread was when the rumbling was crushing the camps of the young boy they gave the coin purse to. The flashback there where Aaron is talking to him and really sad about what he's going to do, but also being like, I want nothing more than to just crush everyone outside of the walls. Yeah, yeah. The rumbling is, it's a very surreal image, and also yeah. horrifying. It is terrifying, isn't it? And I'm looking forward again to seeing an animation, mm. being on the ground with the camera and seeing the, the things coming in the distance. It's very reminiscent of, you know, a tsunami. Mm. Uh, the Fukushima disaster, yeah. you know, the, that sort of things, I think. Just the image of all of the Colossus Titans just swimming <laughs> is such a bizarre yeah. one. And then also them, yeah, them coming out of the ocean uh, with all of the, the ocean liners, the steamships just being crushed in their wake. Spoilers for Code Geass and Watchmen ahead. Skip ahead around a minute to avoid them. I will recite the first line of the Code Geass opening to give you time to skip. Jibun was moka e tashima e sona. I think in general, this is the Lelouch treatment, right? The things that come to mind are Code Geass and Dr. Manhattan. Oh, okay, yeah. I am going to manufacture a villain to unite the mm -hmm. world against. It's a bit weird that Hoven refers to Dr. Manhattan as the example here given that he's only read the comic for Watchmen which doesn't use him for this purpose but go off. I guess. Though so I'd say in the case of those particular series, the lengths that the characters go to to do that are far less extreme. I think there's more of a noble intention there, perhaps. Mm. Like, Lelouch doesn't, you know, kill 80% of the world, <laughs> whereas Aaron Yeager does. And I think... I don't know if he's doing it for a noble purpose. Yeah, it could just be a moment of post-rumbling clarity, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um... I did like the moment where he had a bit of an incelish whine about Mikasa. No Mikasa needs to think about me for 10 years. She can't settle down. <laughs> I think that was probably one of my favorite things about this chapter. It's not just about the plot. It's also the characters, mm. right? And Eren's little... Finally revealing his feelings for Mikasa is one thing, because that's been mm. on the back burner for ages. I do also enjoy how Isayama tied in Mikasa's character development to Ymir. Mm. I think... The whole way that the power of the Titan goes away is good, in my opinion. I liked it. Yeah. Um, it, it felt like it had enough gravitas, and it felt like the two trajectories mirrored it, each other well enough to, to put those things mm. together. I guess, do you think that Eren was lying when he said the Ackerman blood are designed to be slaves uh, to, the, to the royal blood, or whatever it was? Um... To basically to obey him. I thought, wasn't it the Ackermans weren't, like, the only people who couldn't be controlled by the Fritz? Mm. Was, I, I don't really know. They, that's one thing the series never 
picked up on at the end, right? Like, who the hell are the Ackermans? Because it's like, it's clear that they're like, okay, they have a bloodline that is incredibly good at protecting the Fritzes, but um, a lot of characters along the way, uh, I think it might have been Zeke, but I'm not sure, really question what Eren was saying, like, I don't think the Ackermans do have that innate will to obey. I just think that's just that Mikasa really cares about him. And then at the end, of course, Mikasa yeah. is the one who defeats him. Whoopsie, another Code Geass spoiler ahead. Don't worry, I can grace you all more with my dulcet tone some more so you're safe. Skip ahead about 20 seconds and you should be clear of it. Random thought but the third Geass season 1 opening is underrated. That song kinda bops. Armin takes the credit, like Suzaku in Code Geass. Like, I killed Lelouch. <laughs> I, I think another good thing about the ending is that it's not a clean ending, is it? No. You know, Eren's dead. The, the rumbling has stopped, and the power of the titans is also gone, but still 80% of the world is mm. gone. And also the Jaegerists are, are really militant and popular in Eldia now. And I think it's really good how Isayama said, you know, the story doesn't stop here. Now we've got to try and convince these people and tell them what we saw. I, I think that's a really good way to end it. I think ending it on a clean, and because Eren genocided all of these people, the world is at peace now. I, that wouldn't have been a good way to like leave off, like leaving it very ambiguous. Uh, and in kind of, still kind of a negative place, but like, you know, there's the possibility of a hopeful future. <laughs> it, it's more realistic, I, I think. Eren's whipped up these, you know, paramilitary sort of like quasi-fascist mm. gangs, and they're not going to go away. Yeah. And I really don't want them to pick up the story. I don't want them to do like Attack on Titan if, or no. Attack on Titan re or something. Just leave it, please. Yeah, it could only be hurt by a continuation. Yeah. It's very interesting. I've gone on such an up and down trajectory with this series because I think mm -hmm. when I caught up to it, it was after season one, I caught up to the manga as it reached the end point of season two with the Clash of the Titans arc when Eren awakens the coordinate. Mm -hmm. And I really, really liked that resolution to the arc. But I then found the Uprising arc to be very tedious. And that sort of my love for the series sort of waned a lot there. And then I remember around the point season two was coming out. It was a very interesting point. I think there had been such a long gap yeah. between seasons that that kind of fatigue had grown so much. And people were falling off it. And there was quite a lot of snobbery towards the series that I very much pushed back against. Because I think season two sort of reminded me why I liked the series so much. And it helped yeah. that it coincided with the return to Shiganshina arc in the manga. Which is one of the strongest. Oh, easily the best, um, surely. And then I went back to being not so sure about it with some of the stuff in the Mali arc. Because I, I very much took the, the Mikasa determinism thing at face value and was like, that's very troubling. To its end, it's been a very very up and down series for me definitely and i think it's sort of like experience what a lot of long form stories do where different generations mm. and different types of fans come and go you know a lot of people say that you're only a weeboo for like two years or whatever like an attacker for two years you know a lot of people spend their two years watching attack on titan sort of online maybe k-on or something and then completely dropped mm. off and now i think it's honestly surprising to me that final season was so popular mm. I wonder if a lot of the old school fans have, have now come back. Yeah. Now that they've realised that there is something for them beyond what they saw in it when they were 13, which was cool people with cool swords kill big titans. Mm. I feel like the show got a lot of momentum as season three went along. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people responded really positively to especially the second part. I definitely noticed kind of a fervour for the series returning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do have to wonder if the seasons were spaced more evenly apart... 
would there have been such a drop off? Because it is really the big one is between seasons one and two. Just that four yeah, years yeah. of nothing. Well, apart from if you were in Japan, you got some recap movies. Yeah. And also the live action movie. But that's the same thing. Well, with some changes. Uh, have you seen the live action movie? <laughs> No, I haven't, actually. Have you? I, I have heard things. I'm sort of morbidly curious too, but it, it's apparently really bad. They completely changed the story. So they could do like two... Didn't they do two movies? Yeah, they did two. Yeah, yeah. And the two is like completely anime original, like mm. the Death Note movies. Yeah. Which are also awful. <laughs> I only saw the first one of the Japanese Death Note movies. Yeah, I was big into Attack on Titan, Death Note, Sword Online. All the big shows when I was 13. Mm. Big time. <laughs> so consumed everything basically i think one aspect of this series that i think people do forget that because it's been so inescapable for like a decade now is it's really weird like the concept on such a gut level is really bizarre of like there are these giant sort of ugly zombie people that humanity has to fight with giant stanley knives and like grapple hooks and then when erin gains the ability to be become a titan i thought to myself oh maybe this story will be a bit more of a conventional shonen now and it really doesn't i don't know if it's that weird though because i don't think it's an accident that it got popular around 2013 because that was when stuff like the walking dead mm, and again thrones. thrones was getting really popular and i think it, it came at just the right time where people were into post-apocalyptic yeah. things and they were into stories where it seemed completely impossible to overcome the odds. Mm. And they were also into stories where people could die at any moment. Mm. You know, people like um, Bertolt Nazar. No, the guy. Uh, I can't remember his Marco? name. Marco. Yeah, that was a big one. Anyone could die, that feeling. Even though that's not true. I think for me, it's the imagery and like how in-depth and nuts the the lore of the titan powers are especially the titan shifters and it's also the tone at times attack on titan yeah. it, it becomes very ridiculous i remember like a scene where i was in awe was when connie was trying to get falco to jump into his mum's mouth the, the titan yeah uh and he was just like let's let's just brush her teeth it'll be great fun you're gonna get into it and immediately after you just get armin coming after like stop he's trying to feed you to the titan and i'm just like what am i reading <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a series that i think captures the range of human emotions so well and the way that we deal with just traumatic things as well because the survey corps aren't just like stone-faced soldiers they joke and they have banter i think that's really why i think a lot of the characters resonated with so many people they felt like actual yeah people. a lot of the dialogue yeah. is very crude but delivered in a very stone-faced way it's like levi just always uses the word ass randomly like we need to get to the big ass titan or armin got taken to Eren's ass yeah <laughs> it's very good dialogue yeah i guess to go to my random observation i thought it was a very cool trick with the jaw titan snatching up Eren when with the invasion on the capital where the anime left off it seems like he's eaten but then on the next page we see no, Eren just managed to dodge out of the way on the other side of Porco, on the Jaw Titan. It's a cool yeah. visual trick. I haven't actually watched the last couple of episodes of Final Season, you know? Because as soon as I saw that it wasn't going to finish the story, I was like, mm, Yeah. No reason for me to get caught up then. <laughs> I'm supposed to be writing a review of it as well, and I haven't watched it. I mean, you could always <laughs> pull what uh, Nicholas Dupre did with Exarm and just write a review of the last two episodes, not having seen them, and see if anybody, like... <laughs> picks up on it <laughs> in reference to the series of episodes reviews he posted on the anime news and editorial site 
Anime News Network. I think the Cart Titan is a very cool way to implement a relatively weak power in that, like, it's not a very strong fighter in its own right, but she can use it a far larger number than the other titans and it just has so much endurance she can stay as the cart titan for literally months piaki's best girl and i think that was cemented when she was just like dying and then immediately shifting and then i was like yeah this is it this is my girl <laughs> and that's funny because until final season i completely forgot who she was that's another thing of the retweet thing i i never got a handle on who all of the eldian characters uh. were uh just because keeping up week to week they weren't the ones i'd known from the start of the series Whereas watching it all in one go, I had a clearer idea of that. See, that's interesting because I didn't really engage with much with Yelena because mm. I read that War on Paradise arc weekly. Mm. But then I really engaged with the Marley arc because I read it all in one go. Mm. So again, we come back to the way you consume the series, I think. Uh, I remember affects. one very strong reaction I had to the Marley arc in anime form was the moment when Eren was basically using the Jaw Titan like a nutcracker. <laughs> And it was so interesting because it's like the soundtrack by Hiroyuki Sawano had always had this very up to 11, super intense vibe. But that usually to emphasize the struggle or the fear that they're experiencing or the threat. Whereas here, it's more horrific. It's reframed in a way of the scene is like, oh God, what what is this main character doing? Stop. <laughs> I'm sort of watching on with horror. It was very interesting how the same soundtrack was used in a very different way given the scene i think the whole tension of the scene when they're underneath the stage is so good it's one of my favorite scenes and i really hated how so many people were sending hate mail to the episode director because it didn't have the fucking right soundtrack oh my... it's so pathetic I, I, I hate that uh all of the harassment yeah. that the animators got yeah. for this who were working on a quite awful schedule which isn't their fault yes um um, and they get paid shit yeah, money. It's amazing to... that final season came out looking as good as it did. Yeah. The one thing I have in my notes is that the final panel that was shown on TV mm. isn't actually the final panel in the manga. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no. That scene of Historia holding the baby is in there. But the final scene is actually Mikasa under the tree with Eren's grave. It's interesting. It, obviously, it's a very minor point. And it doesn't affect my enjoyment yeah, of the series. It might have been something that Izayama thought he was going to end on and then decided not to. And I would be really interested in knowing why he, he changed it. And what point did he think, mm, actually, I'm going to end with Mikasa and Eren. Mm. You know, does that imply that the ending wasn't actually supposed to be that way? Mm. You know, when he gave that interview, like a year and a bit I ago, know he has changed months. the yeah. ending of Attack on Titan quite a few times. I heard one speculation that... The series was meant to end with Eren reaching the ocean. Oh, that's it. That's interesting because there is such a massive gap mm. there, isn't there? Both in terms of time and narrative. To me, it's a bit like you know Tokyo Ghoul and Tokyo Ghoul uh, Re right? Uh, the two parts, or maybe Naruto or Naruto Shippuden. Or... I can see that comparison. Most shonen have that sort of gap, don't they, mm. between two different distinct parts where they grow up with the author and also the audience yeah with the exception of maybe something like one piece and... yeah it, it had a big time skip and definitely some things about the story have changed since the time skip but it is yeah. it's basically the same series the whole way through yeah yeah it's just that oda's approach to storytelling has slowly changed over time did we ever actually see the future that eren saw when he got his dad's memories i don't think we did but at least we know now that he saw that future when he kissed historia's hand for sure in that case i do like that i do like that we don't get again playing yeah. into that ambiguity i like that we don't see what eren saw 
because I feel like that could easily lean into trying to justify, like, Eren saw this horrible thing, so he, yeah, he's pretty justified in what he did. Not knowing that leaves that very ambiguous, which mm -hmm. I like. And was it the future of what he was going to do, or the future of what was going to happen if he didn't act? That plays into the idea of the whole theme of the series, which is freedom and free will, you know. To what extent do we have free will? And, and if we have freedom, at what cost does it come? You yeah. know, do we have to kill everyone in the world to get freedom? And if so, is it justified? One major criticism I do have with the series is that it's very much trying to show humanity on both sides of a conflict and how bad that conflict is. I wish we'd had some Marleyan point of view characters that were fighting on the side of Marley. I feel like that is something really missing from the equation that would just flesh that out a bit more. I think there's a danger always when we're reading a series and we, we read the final chapter to get really laser focused on that final chapter and, you know, what the ending was, you know, whether it lived up to expectations. But actually, I, I don't think that takes away from the quality of the series as a, as a whole. Um, and I think... It's good, you know, we already talked a lot about stuff that happened in the series beforehand, but how well, I think particularly the female Titan arc, that, when I watched that in the anime, really struck me, just how well it is written. Mm. You know, the mechanics of it, you know, the scouting formation and how everything falls apart. Mm. And, and I think that kind of stuff will stand the test of time and will continue to i think enthrall readers regardless of the ending yeah that's the actual meat and bones of the series um, and, and we should appreciate that but mm. we have talked a lot about the series as a whole one thing that's interesting is that the structure of the manga is it's very strong i do like the way it builds to the ocean and then that is just a jumping off point to kind of a an extended conclusion with this very messy conflict but uh there are things that come off odd on a first read like Sasha's detour where she gets the bow and arrow and saves her sister and Connie realizing the titan crushing his house is his mother I remember at the time when I first came across them I felt like they were these really weird side tangents but both of them feed back into the overall narrative in the last arc I think it benefits definitely from being a monthly mm. series I don't think you can write a really strong story like Attack on Titan in a weekly series like i mean we brought up jujitsu kaisen but I'll, I'll bring it up again the gojo's past arc having an entire arc mm. before a major arc just to set up for that arc is really clumsy writing mm. but it's literally the only way you could do it with the stress of, of being a weekly series the other thing that's insane for me is the long game with annie <laughs> she was frozen in her hardened crystal for so long literally back in the end of season one, if we're talking in anime terms. And she literally only gets out of it at some point in the last part of the final season. Uh, the long game there is insane. Yeah, you got to have courage to seal up a very popular and major character for the majority of the series. And also have one of your characters literally stood in front of it going, Oh, I wish she would come back into the action. It almost feels like Eren in his line where he's like, I was so disappointed when I found out there was humanity outside the walls. I'm like, is this a commentary on readers who are disappointed with that reveal or something? Of which there were quite a few because it was such a huge mystery thing for years so it was so hyped up that i feel like literally anything would have been a disappointment to a lot of people i remember like the reveal the chapter uh, that day right yeah i remember the initial reaction to that chapter was very negative especially on 4chan yeah um people were saying attack on titan's dead 
But actually, in hindsight, I think a lot of people come to appreciate that, myself included. A lot of the anime-onlys who watched through the series more recently, I feel like they responded a lot more receptively uh, to that reveal. Yeah. I think Grisha is such a good character Mm -hmm. as well. He seems really minor at the beginning, but then when we have that flashback, we really... I think I really like him. He's one of my favourite characters. Mm. Especially that confrontation with uh, Eren Kruger on the wall. And seeing him from these different perspectives, uh, from Eren's point of view and from Zeke's point of view. And Zeke! Zeke really got the short end of the stick in this last arc he's one of my favorite characters as well he just was just chilling in paths building sandcastles i just uh, i i love the moment where this was in final season part one where um levi escapes out of the forest and, he, and he's just like again are you kidding me <laughs> i have to fight this guy so many times their relationship levi and zeke is so good they just hate each other so much <laughs> Too many breathtaking two-page spreads are botched by Crunchyroll's awful reader. Oh, God. Can we talk about <laughs> Crunchyroll manga? Yeah. Jesus. I'm so glad I don't... That's the best thing about this ending. I don't have to use that fucking awful <laughs> app or website ever again. I'm wondering. I, I might still keep up with it for Eden Zero, but I don't know. You're keeping up with Eden Zero on it? Yeah. One question. Why? <laughs> because he- Hiro Mashima's manga... However awful they are, are always entertaining to me. Okay, fair enough. Fair uh, enough. Shangri-La Frontier as well. You should check that out. I think I don't like it. But... I know Two Year Eternity got all locked up there in one go. People keep nagging me to read that. Yeah, looking forward to checking that out. But yeah, no, the big chapter that I remember being really annoyed at was the one where Eren first activated the rumbling and there were so many of these incredible two-page spreads of him contacting all of the other eldians in that founder's world in his head and then Pats. yes yeah the up close image of him inside the founder's titan with that seething expression and yeah they were just completely cut off by the reader well you wonder why everyone pirates this manga and reads it on whatever websites they read it on the ethical matter of piracy is an interesting one where obviously don't tweet out spoilers at the mangaka before it even releases in japan but i think if you're not being given a good service that gets you that manga on time there's no shame in seeking out other sources definitely not i like the saul goodman titan that jumps armin connie john and mikasa when the rumbling starts i was like oh okay better call saul has arrived there was actually an interesting character popularity poll that Besatsu did towards the ending where they asked people to vote for their uh, favorite pure titan and it listed every single pure titan mm. in the series he put in a lot of like game of thrones characters i think oh okay there's interesting trivia on the wiki i mean there's some notable ones there's the kawaii titan with the big eyes uh from the trust yeah. arc there's the hello my baby hello my honey the one that looks like it's doing like a jazzy dance as it's running that accompanies zeke as he's running away in the forest and then the smiling titan as well at the beginning of the series which then turned out to be Zeke's mum. Diana. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which was really cool. I thought it was really cool how they gave that even more narrative importance. Yeah, and also she is the one who Eren punched when he awakened the coordinate. Yes. Uh, yes. Oh, that's that's probably the best scene. It's so good. Um, And the way it's done in the anime where it's like he hits it and it's like initially it seems like, oh, okay, he, he just, nothing happened. And then you have the lightning transition of each of the Titan shifters <laughs> realizing what's oh. going on. I love Reiner. Uh, at the time, mm-hmm. he was like, oh, damn it. He's the worst person the coordinate could possibly fall into. And the first time watching that, I was like, oh, he's just like a damn you, Aaron. I'll get you next time. Grr. <laughs> uh, 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 but in hindsight, it's like, oh, no, he knows exactly how unhinged this kid is and that this cannot lead to anything good. No. 
He's realised he's already completely <laughs> fucked up this mission. He's already let one of his friends die and let that time power go somewhere else. And he's also now has to deal with the most unhinged person ever mm. in the hands of the most powerful titan in existence. Mm. Great. <laughs> I hate my life. <laughs> no wonder he wants to kill himself. There's a few other lines that I find funny. His snarky, oh no, I'm not brainwashed anymore at Zeke when Zeke is trying to convince him to his side from Eren. Like the Armin line of, I think it's fine for his mum to stay an upside down Titan and I think he should too. <laughs> Funny series, yeah. yeah. Armin sacrificing himself to revive Kami's mum is a really nice gesture. I think it really makes sense with how flippantly he views his life after being revived. Um, yeah. Um, so did Eren turn into a bird? Uh, yes. Who knows? Maybe. It's like, maybe yeah. he's just like exists in the paths now. Maybe. Yeah. It's or like because the bird imagery is used at the start of the series where he's looking at the doves. Yeah. And then it's also when Armin, I believe, they're on the ship to go and track down Eren. Like the way that Eren contacts them is that first Armin sees the bird flying. And then there's also the image at the beginning of the Marley arc mm. with Gabby's friend. Looking up on the battlefield. Falco. Falco. Falco is his name. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe Eren was the Dove Titan all along. Yeah. yeah. M maybe his ability as the founder just let him transplant his consciousness into a bird. Uh, yeah, or maybe yeah. it's just a metaphor. Who knows? To round off, what would you say is your favourite section of the series arc, as yeah. you will? I really like the whole Marley arc, to be honest. But I do think just the whole reveal of Reiner and Burt Holt being mm. the Armored Titan and them very flippantly saying it. And then the whole... I love it. It's like, it's, it's, it's in so a good. side panel in the manga and then it's like yeah. off screen in the anime. And it's like, I know so many people who are like, that is the worst way you could deliver that piece of information. And then others who are like, that's the best way you could deliver that piece of information. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. And I read that weekly as well. I read that chapter when it came out mm. and it was so good. <laughs> I, I think of that scene and I smile. My favourite in the anime is probably, yeah, that Clash of the Titans stuff in Season yeah, 2. Yeah. Uh, I think Season 2 is a perfect overlap of material I like and execution on the anime's part that really knocks it out of the park. I think in the manga, probably the return to Shiganshina arc. I really remember that moment where Armin sacrifices himself for them to defeat Bertolt. I was really struck by, wow, Isayama's art has improved so much. This is breathtaking. And the bit where Bertolt flies down into Shiganshina. I think if you'd have shown me that at the beginning of the series and said, listen, this is what it's going to be like, yeah. I wouldn't have believed yeah. you. Also, it's just like the, the Colossal Titan was such a distinctive image at the start of the series yeah. of threat. And to later reveal that they are such an interesting character that's very unassuming and battling with his own cowardice. Or, I don't know if it's fair to call it cowardly, given the situation, but his own fear. And that he's not like an imposing villain or anything. But then he, well, he doesn't redeem himself. He manages to find yeah, his courage he finds his at courage. the end. Yeah. And then it's like goes completely the other way for Reiner. Mm. Like you think Reiner's really strong, but actually he's... He's completely broken. <laughs> yeah, he continues to unravel. I love that in the last chapter, rather than having him be still that kind of stoic character he was at the start, he's just, he's like stiffing his story as handwriting. Like, what, what are you doing, dude? And I think, yeah, I, I guess favourite opening of the anime so far. It's gotta be season three, part two. It's so good. Interesting. That's probably my least favourite. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. what's your favourite? Uh, Don't say I Red think, Swan. I think uh, Giuno Subasa, the second one of season one. Uh, okay, that's good. Red Swan's the worst, yeah? No, I, I, hmm, Red Swan, I don't like Red Swan, but I kind of appreciate it for doing something different, whereas, yeah, yeah, uh, I don't think it worked, but it tried, whereas I feel like season three, part two, I just feel like was 
trying to reiterate on the other Link to Ryzen openings, but not really as well. I think it works thematically, though, because it's returning mm. to Shingansha, it's returning to the themes. And also, like, because I watched Season 3 Part 2 after it was announced that MAPPA was going to do Final Season, mm -hmm. and that last line of Suzumi Suzukeru, mm -hmm. like, continue advancing beyond the ocean, mm. really hit home to me, you know, the whole message of, like, we've got to keep going, you mm. know, even though Wit's not going to be animating mm. this, you know, we're keeping going, we're going to adapt it anyway. I don't know why, it just really yeah. struck me. It is probably the most ideal point in the story to have that switch up in studios yeah. and directing styles. It goes from that very bombastic aesthetic kind of a bit cheesier a bit more i guess propagandistic in its framing to a more mm. naturalistic one where there's a lot more individual character animation and the expressions are a lot more realistic rather than them being like you know pretty boys and pretty girls with massive eyes it's more of a one-to-one -one translation of the manga which sometimes i don't like see jump between fairy tale season one and the rest of the mashima anime going forward um, or early jojo and like later jojo well the, the season one is very much like let's redraw mm. all the double page spreads yeah. and stuff but then in part four part five they actually animated it <laughs> which is better i mean i like i mean both the good shows yeah but... no no the part five anime really blew me away with how consistently it was able to replicate araki's art style at that point i, I really hope uh -huh. part six continues that thank goodness araki isn't around to hear the darn racket knowing how he treats dogs and his manga Apologies, dear listener. Android hindsight feels your struggle. Yeah, and I hope they flesh part six out a bit. I mean, this is now a JoJo podcast, but <laughs> I, ho I hope they make up for the rushed ending. I mean, the rules with my podcast is that the side tangents stop when I say they stop. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs> the, the JoJo tangent could go on as long as it was. Yes. I said that point about how I've... I mean, I've really fallen off keeping up with stuff as it comes out. I basically only keep up with Titan, Boruto, MHA, and One Piece, because they're all the series I've been following for a while. And then also yeah. I tell C because I wanted a laugh. Nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I read everything weekly because it's my job to yes. keep up to date and write about it. Mm. And I don't recommend it. Mm. Don't read things weekly. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, it was getting to a point where I was somewhat interested in all of the new jump starts, And I just realized, oh God, I'm going to have such a weekly load on me. So you know what? Why not just put it down for a while? I tried to get caught up with all of the seasonal stuff coming out, but I'm just burned out on that as well. Like I still haven't seen Yuru Camp Season 2 which I was looking forward oh, to. so good. So good. I haven't seen either of the new Cells at Work series. I don't watch Cells at Work. It's, it's quite charming for, for what it is. Uh, it's yeah. not for everyone. But I feel like the one exception to that is going to be JoJo's because I really like what David Poe does with the anime. JoJo Friday's back, <laughs> yeah. baby. And it's going to replace JoJo's Kaisen Fridays, which I'm very happy about. It's something that I've already read ahead, so it's not like I'm wondering where it's going to go next. And I'm just always hungry for more of it. So yeah, I think I could do that weekly, for mm -hmm. sure. It's also like a Mantra of the Week series, basically. So it, it does fit in watching it weekly. I yeah. Think. I hope you're ready, gamers and gentle people, because it's time for the Q&A segment. I guess, yeah, to go into the, the first question we have from yeah. Reddit is... Um, this is from Akira Exo, who says, A mm -hmm. discussion on the future of the world slash politics after Eren's death that would be sweet. I think for this, we can probably look to real life history. You know, after the fall of the Nazis, it wasn't as if all the Nazis disappeared. In fact, a lot of them were still in yeah, I mean... <laughs> high positions in, in German, you know. Again, it's hard to really tie anything to one Nazi analogue because a lot of a lot of factions <laughs> are very fascistic here. But yeah. the Yigarists haven't fallen, yeah. though. They're stronger than ever. So yeah, I yeah. think that sends a very worrying precedent going forward. I don't think it's going to end well. And um, also the key thing to realise is that 
Eldia was the one nation untouched mm. by the rumbling. So they are much stronger than everyone else in the world. So if they wanted to reestablish the Eldian Empire, they presumably could do it mm. quite easily. Because they also have that resource, don't they? That yeah. blue gem thing or whatever. That the, the, the hardening it. material. Uh. So it's not going to be easy, but I mm. think... If the one thing that the scouting regiment do, it's overcome any obstacle and they will never stop until mm. they uh, either succeed or die. Okay, Reddit Reddit just isn't letting me log in. I think it might be down at the moment. So yeah, if anyone had a question they wanted to get through, sorry we couldn't answer it. After a quick scan of Reddit, I can confirm there were no other questions on Reddit. Looks like you're in the clear on this one, Hoven. Uh, in the meantime, we can... Talk about yeah. Wednesday Dale's question. Yeah, Wednesday Dale's yeah. question. How many buckets could Zeke's final fluid fill? <laughs> I feel like there's a there's a go-to joke answer to this, but I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> D depends how many sound castles you help him build. Presumably unlimited buckets, because spinal fluid just regenerates. Mm -hmm. So if if you were to create a process whereby you extracted Zeke's spinal fluid, you could presumably fill up unlimited buckets. So, closing thoughts on Attack on Titan. Closing thoughts on Attack on Titan. Good manga, 8 out of 10. Enjoyed it. Would read again. Looking forward to the anime. There we are. Very interesting, compelling manga. At times, very troubling. And I don't know what I'd give it out of 10. This is one where it's really hard for me to, to zero in ah, on a number. But, okay. Um, okay. But yeah, also very much looking forward to seeing Final Season Part 2. And if, yeah, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Uh, find me on OtaQuest, otaquest.com slash author slash Jacob, or my Twitter at JacobPDF, like the file extension, <laughs> uh, particularly about Attack on Titan. I've written a long article about the Marley arc and how it changes theories and how it sort of demonstrates the strength of serialized storytelling. And I'll also have uh, sort of a piece on the ending fairly soon, mm -hmm. which will probably make some of the same points as this one yes but um if, if you like reading things mm -hmm. then then definitely a look at that yeah you could find me well actually we are now uh youtube.com slash hoven with an h because i i got 100 subs yay hell yeah uh, i'd tell you to go watch my world trigger video but that's the reason i have 100 subs so nice maybe if that video interested you in world trigger or if you're only already a fan please read along with Duckface diaries the world trigger read through podcast that myself and wednesdaydale do where we tackle the world trigger manga volume by volume we've just finished the first major story arc of the series the large-scale invasion and are going into the longest arc of the series the b-rank wars bruh <laughs> so get excited you also did your first hour long one right yes or you hit yeah that milestone, we hit that yeah? milestone with the ace chrisman where we had him on uh, the letter of a uh -huh. world trigger which we got a full interview out of as well actually they hit the milestone before that with the previous episode featuring weekly manga recaps chris rollo t larios which also featured an interview. Epson chat for Wensleydale, editing podcasts that long. At some point, I would also like to guest on Duckface Diaries and talk about why Replica is my icon. Oh, yeah. So yeah, give Going that a look. Very happy with how the podcast is going. Also, I will reiterate, do check out Wensleydale's upcoming video on Attack on Titan. I'm sure they will have very interesting things to say. Yeah, I've been Hoven with an H, and uh, see you all next time. Bye. Wait, don't end the podcast. I still haven't had a chance to sing all the Attack on Titan opening themes. Give the people what they want.